Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 65 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And we're your co-hosts for today's show, just like every other damn show we do. (laughs) Doesn't change much, does it? So sit back, relax, and, you know, whatever. And today, later in our feature, we're going to have an unusual topic, the one that I just thought would be fun. Yeah. Because it's been a rough week for me, and it's people pet peeves. It's things that, as nerds, Stephen and I, things that bother us about people in general. And we're just going to go over some things that we don't like, and we're going to vent about it, and hopefully you guys will be entertained by that. Uh, I think of it like the airing of grievances from Seinfeld and Festivus. (laughs) I got a lot of problems with you people. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about Festivus. That's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate Festivus today with an airing of grievances. But can we do it all with a New York Jewish accent? We will. Of course we will. But before (laughs) that, before we get to just bitching about everything... Uh, let's start. What, how's your week been? I know you've had some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the, what I call the official play on nerd studio, uh, uh, is destroyed and gone. Uh, so I get a call in the morning from a person who works across the hall from my studio. And she said, you might want to get down here quick. We have flooding coming in the ceiling. And I said, Oh crap. So wow. I get down there and luckily I open the door and there's only flooding happening from the roof right where none of my equipment is. My booth isn't there, like right above it. So it was fine. I didn't get anything. Uh, they got roofers there quickly. They took down the ceiling tiles that were already kind of half collapsing from the water and they cleaned it all up. And I cle- I spent the whole night there putting all my equipment back and cleaning everything up and getting all the mud off the floor and the, okay. the, the dust and everything. So, okay. That, that sucked. But, you know, I lost a day. No big deal. The next day I get a call again from the same woman who gets there before me. And she says, you might want to come back again. So apparently the roofers didn't fix whatever the problem was and even more water came in this time and so much so that it actually did get to the bottom of my recording booth for my voiceovers and it ruined the whole floor. So luckily my equipment still wasn't damaged, but they said they're going to have to move everything out of there and replace all the floors and the ceiling tiles were all destroyed. So I had to move over the weekend very quickly because I have a lot of jobs pending for my voiceover stuff. So that sucked. And uh, thanks for the help of my family. They helped me move into my parents have a law firm actually nearby and they had a spare tiny conference room. It's more like a glorified closet. But (laughs) I work in one uh, of those. Go on. Yeah, there you go. It's like it's like my own cubicle, but like a closed office cubicle. And it just barely fits my recording booth and my computer and a desk. And so that's where I'm at now. And all the non-essentials, I had a lot of fun tchotchkes and nerdy memorabilia and books that were all my last, you know, office with posters and art in the walls and TV and a couch. And it's all gone now. So, but this is all I need. The essentials. That's right. Now, <laughs> have they given you some sort of timeline for when the hell that stuff's going to be done? 
Well, here's the clinker. I went back the next uh, two days later because they they dried out the bottom of my booth so that it could be used with like industrial uh, fans and these dehumidifiers. So now it's not destroyed and it's all good. But when I went back to pick it up, they had hermetically sealed my door because of asbestos poisoning. Good. <laughs> so apparently the light, the walls were lined with asbestos. So they found that out and I, no one can go in there again. So. It's going to be, we have no idea how long that building's going to take to repair because like the whole building has pretty much been destroyed by water damage. So I've just permanently moved out. Um, so I'm just going to be here for the next couple of months until I find maybe a new place somewhere. And I'm, I'm wow. legally allowed to get out of my lease because of asbestos. So that's where I'm at now. Right. Because you literally can't be in the space. <laughs> exactly. Legally. From I can't a legal be point of view. <laughs> So yeah, that's what's happened my last week. Uh, and uh, for some reason, I got—I was just out of frustration, decided to join back on the dating websites. Ooh. Uh, so I went back on those things, and I'm looking through hundreds of pictures of women carrying fish. Um, that's what Florida has to offer as far as women go, apparently, is women that that's right. catch fish and hold their disgusting, smelly bodies up in the picture and think that's somehow attractive. So Wait, wait, the yeah. fish's bodies or their bodies? <laughs> their disgusting, smelly bodies or the fish's? I don't well, at that point, it's both, I guess, because you're going to smell like the fish. That's true. <laughs> wait, maybe so, you, yeah. you can fall in love with an outdoorsy type, maybe. Yeah, of course, <laughs> my pale ass. That's It'll right. Great. <laughs> She'll turn but, you into a man yet. It's been interesting. So that's been my, what's been happening with you, buddy? Uh, Did you see Tim uh, Cook again? No, no Tim Cook again. I don't know. The pregnancy is just trucking along and uh, on Tuesday. So this will probably be out by the time this has happened. But we're going to our 36 week appointment, Mm, which is nine, which is nine months, by the way. Oh, wow. (laughs) I couldn't do that, Matt. We're going to the nine month appointment. Uh, And then uh, Saturday, Anna, because that'll Saturday is actually the 36 week. um, We're going to start doing and taking all the supplements and all the old wives' stuff tale to make the kid come out. <laughs> One of the wives' tale things. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a never-ending, endless bog of just stuff. Um, <laughs> one is, they say, pineapple. But mm. really, it's an extract that's in pineapple that you can find that you would have to eat, like, nine pounds of pineapple to get enough. Oh, God. So we're just going to go buy this extract. <laughs> That's a much better idea. <laughs> uh, there's a raspberry leaf tea. So it's just literally leaves from the raspberry tree huh. in a tea. And women that drink it are supposed to have, on average, shorter and easier lives. Uh, like birds. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, let's see. There's, of course, like yoga and stretching and that sort of stuff. Uh, gosh, just a bunch Crazy. of, oh, giant, apparently there's this thing called a pregnancy cake, which is just like a chocolate cake with chocolate frosting and chocolate ganache and chocolate shavings. I like that part of the deal. Yeah. Um, but basically <laughs> at this point, most of the home remedy stuff is either extremely rich or extremely spicy. Um, and it's made to irritate the bowels basically. And Ugh. that typically will kickstart the kid coming out. Gotcha. So it'll make you think you're taking a massive poop, but you're actually pooping out a baby. That's right. I'm 12 years old. Um, so. But like, that's the same thing with like, you hear about castor oil. Like eating castor oil? Castor oil, do- yeah. Castor oil doesn't make the kid come out. It irritates the shit out of your bowels and, and dehydrates you. And then dehydration will kickstart the baby. Is that out. like safe and recommended by doctors? It's been done for forever. Man, like we're talking think- about home remedies that go back hundreds of years. I feel so bad for women of the world. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to push a kid out of my wee-wee. <laughs> Once again, you're 12 now. That's right. 
<laughs> well, I don't want to say it. <laughs> Push out my wee wee. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so that's what's going on. Oh man, uh, I'll talk stuff. a little bit more about. Uh, we went and had our an intro and a meeting with uh, the pediatrician that we'll be taking the kid to afterwards. Mm. Uh, and we like her. We think we're going to go with her at first. But some of my um, my people pet peeves are, are um, from our meeting with this individual. Gotcha. So I'm just so I'm yeah. So we'll talk more about that later. I'm excited to hear those later. But before we get to that, I think it's time for nerd news. Woo! It's time for nerdy news. So I have some fun nerdy news to right. right off the bat. Just came out today, fresh off the presses. Uh, to, today shit. being what is it? I don't even know what day it is. I like how you say fresh off the presses, like <laughs> like newspapers are still relevant. But go on, they're still around somewhere. Uh, today, as of Wednesday, uh, August tenth, yes, it was released by Brian Fuller, the new producer for the next Star Trek TV series, okay. Star Trek Discovery. Uh, he's released some cool details about the series. So we got some some. Uh, little sparks of light here so it's going to be set about 10 years before captain kirk's five-year mission began in the original series so that's pretty cool okay right there a lot of implications and then it'll feature a woman as a lead character but she won't be the captain she'll be the lieutenant commander so like the second in command actually that's not even second in command lieutenant commander is like third or fourth in command and another major hint that he gave apparently is the series will connect to an incident in Star Trek history related to Starfleet and referenced in the original TV series. It was talked about and never fully explored. So that's a little interesting tidbit there, but he wouldn't say what quite yet. Um, it hasn't been cast yet, so we don't know who's going to be playing this female okay. lead character or anything. Uh, he says, although previous Trek series have centered on starship captains, Fuller's lead character will be a lieutenant commander, obviously. Uh, we've seen six series from the captain's point of view. To see a character from a different perspective who has a different relationship to the crew would give us a richer context. The story is about this woman's journey. In order to understand something completely alien to her, she has to understand herself. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm glad they're put it, keeping it realistic in that even in the future, a chick wouldn't be in charge. Hey, Janeway was in charge for a long time. How many years in the future from this would that have been? Uh, like a hundred years. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm just saying that, like, it's just showing that, you know, even only that far in the future, sexism still very real. <laughs> True. It says the series will feature new exciting aliens and reimaginings of existing aliens, which could be interesting. They try to redo how Klingons look and stuff. Again. Including, yeah, including a new one named Saru. Fuller said, we'll probably have a few more aliens than you normally do in a Star Trek cast, which is kind of neat. Um, and he says, Fuller said the series will also feature a gay character, which is significant, they say, because he uh, he's a gay man himself, the producer, so it's kind of cool that he's representing. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all the details we got. They already made Sulu gay. The hell with it. Well, just now, yeah. They, he wasn't anything necessarily in the original series. Yeah. Gay or straight. Here's the thing. You at least knew he had a kid. Yeah, you later From, on in, um, Star Trek Generations, it's mentioned because right. uh, his Kirk, daughter, Kirk meets her, his daughter. Yep. And the deal was they didn't say it was with his wife. He just has a daughter, right? You know, right. So. And I thought exactly. I didn't think that was bad. Apparently, uh, like George that. Takei took a problem with it. Yeah, he's like the original was not gay. Oh my! <laughs> I wasn't gay then. It was strange that he was against that, but it's odd. Oh well, I, you know, I think it's a bold choice and. 
you know, I, I hope that not say I hope they explore it, but like I hope that's <laughs> not all gay it sex is. Scenes in the show, right? I just I hope that that's not all it is, right? Like it's not just like hey, we mentioned it for the sake of mentioning it. Like, come on, yeah, like have a gay character with gay relationship. Especially the show lasts like seven years, like the other ones. That's like, right. You should explore those things. Just explore deep. Yeah, get in there. All right, well that's cool. So yeah, I've got uh, a couple pieces of news. Uh, and the first one I'm going to call quit horsing around. <laughs> um, and it's basically uh, some scientists were looking at a relatively recent evolution in horses uh, made them much more comfortable for us to ride. Interesting. Um, and so what they said is that there's for, for most horses, there's either walk, trot or gallop. Trot is sort of that sweet middle ground where they can go they can run for long distances without tiring themselves out but they don't they don't go at a snail's pace but apparently the trot is really really uncomfortable to ride on is that the faster one it's the middle one oh because gotcha. of the way that the horse's legs leave the ground basically cause a really bumpy ride Mm-mm. gotcha uh but then um about eight eight fifty to 900 a.d they've identified this genetic change that uh, horses started doing what's called gating, which is where they move both legs on the same side of the body simultaneously as opposed to opposite sides. And it makes for a much smoother ride. Interesting. And this was so desirable that they ended up getting crossbred all over the place. And this mutation has now be is becoming more and more the norm in horses. Because you want to you want to breed the one that has the more comfortable ride. Yep, Exactly. Makes sense. And that's a, a cool, cool, uh, you know, version of, uh, you know, man making things what we want. Yeah, exactly. And like with dogs, same thing. Yeah, exactly. I want a really, really ugly dog. So let's breed these two ugly dogs together. Yeah. Oh, that one's super ugly. Now let's find another ugly one and make them do it. <laughs> yeah. We're awful. <laughs> we are. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was really neat that, that, we, cool. that we did that. Also, with the Olympics happening right now. Which have happened. Right. By the way, Michael Phelps, uh, he himself has won more gold medals than 80% of the countries that are competing. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, in general. I'm talking total medal count through history. It's ridiculous. I didn't, I didn't even realize he was competing again this time. Yeah, this is his third Olympics, which is insane. Jeez. There's some, I think, Bulgarian or Romanian um, uh, gymnast who's, like, there for the fourth time, and she's, like, 41. Wow. It's or just be a something, something crazy. Oh, now Michael Phelps is doing the cupping. What? What's he, what's he cupping? <laughs> There's this thing going around because it's so ridiculous that he's doing these cupping therapies where he has people like put hot steaming like um, oh, yeah. air in a cup and it sucks like your skin up and it's supposed to like relieve tension or something. And apparently it's been debated as, as whether it's like a crock of crap or it's, it's actually good for you. But he's posted pictures of himself getting cupped, which just sounds dirty, but. There you go. I'm sure there's Anyways. a lot of people that would like to cup him. Um, but uh, basically, the, these economists have been looking and um, they basically are showing that the Olympics are never worth it for a city. <laughs> that, you know, cities spend anywhere between uh, on the low end, like two billion dollars. That was L.A. in 1984 or mm. up to fifty two billion dollars. That was Sochi, the Winter Olympics. Oh, wow. um, and that most con- most co- countries or cities don't make their money back. It makes sense. 
and that all the all the incentives that they say come with the Olympics aren't real. I wonder how they're going to defend against that for the next Olympics. Then other cities won't want it anymore. Well, that's what they're basically saying is that all these cities are dropping out because nobody wants to do it. Um, because basically, you know, they go to the Olympic Committee and they boast like, oh, well, we're going to be making these improvements to rapid transit and we're going to make these improvements to hotels downtown and we're going to lift these taxes to bring in external vendors for the, the, the competition. And they make all these promises and then the Olympic Committee choose one and then they have to honor those promises. Yeah. Uh, and so basically the city that's most attractive is often the one that has made the most extravagant promises and they're the one that get buried in those promises then once they get Wow, because they try too hard to get it. Right, right, right. Um, but like for an example, what was it? One of the cities that hosted the Olympics, um, you know, the tourism to that city actually declined oh, gosh. from the previous year with the Olympics being hosted. Well, and think about Rio. I mean, it's been a, a media shitstorm for them, literally shitstorm because they have shit in the water. But like it put a it puts a magnifying glass in your city and they'll show the whole world all the problems that your city has probably had for the last 20 years, but they never talked about because they didn't have to. And now that everyone's focusing on Rio, they see, oh, wow, this place has a lot of problems. Yeah. And I mean, so now tourism probably will go down to Rio. I think this is the last time that we're going to pretend a third world country is a first world country. Yeah. <laughs> For the Olympics, yeah. like I think this is probably the time where everyone's going to learn their friggin' lesson and just have it in a city that already has the infrastructure. Like London's great, Vancouver's great, Athens, Sydney, Rio de Janeiro, like the city of trash. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, just have it. Have it places that already have the infrastructure, and then that just saves the money, and then they actually can make money off of it. Right, right. right. As opposed to Rio, where everything was like patched together, Australia refused to stay in the Olympians village. Yeah, they stayed in like a cruise ship, right? Because they said it was unfinished. I don't even know what they're doing, but yeah, they refused. Uh, Tons of also Australian uh, athletes have been mugged. Yeah, like (laughs) it's just insane. Uh, And one of them was like a jujitsu fighter or something, and he got mugged. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I don't know. Maybe next time pick a place that's a little less crime ridden. Just a little. I think, I think uh, what was it? Beijing Olympics. Not all the buildings they made for the Olympics are now abandoned and like falling apart. Oh, there's some already. great picture galleries of abandoned um, Olympic sites. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Uh, one of my favorite of which is, uh, where the hell was it? It was a place, maybe Salt Lake City uh, or Nagano, where they hosted a Winter Olympics. And the bobsled uh, course is now used by like skateboarders. <laughs> Which sounds awesome, by the way. And terrifying. <laughs> Just terrifying. Um, awesome for them. So, yeah, the Olympics aren't all they're cracked up to be. All right. So I guess now we're jumping to our feature, People Pet Peeves. People Pet Peeves. Some people are really fucking stupid. <laughs> Did you ever notice that? How many really stupid people you run into during the day? God damn, there's a lot of stupid bastards walking around. Carry a little pad and pencil with you. You wind up with 30 or 40 names by the end of the day. Look at it this way. Think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are stupider than that. And it doesn't take you very long to spot one of them, does it? Take you about eight seconds. You'll be listening to some guy. You say, this guy is fucking stupid. 
Then, then there are some people, they're not stupid, they're full of shit. <laughs> uh, that doesn't take very long to spot either, does it? Take you about the same amount of time. You'll be listening to some guy and say, well, he's fairly intelligent. Ah, he's full of shit. <laughs> Some people, they're not stupid, they're not full of shit, they're fucking nuts! So, I'll just go ahead and throw one out there to start things Alright, let's talk about it. This one's very accessible. I'm sure everyone out there has met a person like this. The one-upper. Now, Stephen and I have dealt with several people like this in our lives. A few. Um, and it's the frustrating thing of when you're telling a story. It could be about anything. Oh, I had I made a sandwich today. And, you know, I think I did a really good job. It was just really tasty. And someone immediately perks up and says, oh, I make sandwiches all the time. I make great sandwiches. I went to school for sandwiches. But I quit it because I didn't, I didn't care. But sandwiches are great. I make great sandwiches. You try my sandwiches. <laughs> so, I won a sandwich award before I quit and walked away. Right. I think they've had a character on SNL doing this, too. Yeah. At some point. I think it was Kristen Wiig, maybe. Yeah, but I, I've known some one uppers and I think that there's they think they're doing a good job. So like that's the worst part. They think they're socially doing a good job. <laughs> they think that they are bringing something to the conversation. Yeah. Like adding off of what you just talked about and then, oh, I'll start this tangent of the conversation this way. We'll build off what you just said. But instead of building on it, you're just stepping on it. <laughs> you know? Right. There's a difference between say, uh, telling then a funny story about a sandwich that your dad made <laughs> and boasting about a great sandwich you made once. Yeah. Yours is there's better a, than there's theirs. a difference. Comes down it to. just is. And I think for with a lot of these things we're going to go into, it comes from a place of low self-confidence or low self-esteem where these people need to prove themselves yeah, in some want, way. People want to self-validate. Right. And it ends up always being really just annoying and frustrating or sometimes even offensive what these people do. Um, And this is just one of the many outlets that this happens. The one upper, especially when they choose something that really shouldn't be one upped. Right. My mom just died. Oh, my mom died in a much worse way. (laughs) Or like, uh, yeah, my grandfather fought in World War Two. Yeah, well, my grandfather killed like 12 Nazis. How many did yours kill? (laughs) But you're like, these aren't two. really exaggerations. These people will do things. These like people this. exist. They're terrible. <laughs> All right. So you got something for us? Yeah. Um, so the, uh, some, once again, a lot of these came from this pediatrician visit. That we went to. <laughs> yeah. Please tell us about that. Uh, so when you tell a bunch of pregnant ladies that there's going to be <laughs> snacks provided <laughs> <laughs> and you get there and there's a handful of tortilla chips a half full bowl of walnuts and like four of those shitty wafer cookies you buy at the Seven <laughs> Eleven. When you get a bunch of hungry, angry pregnant ladies in a room, that is not sufficient. No, that's not good at all. <laughs> I walked in, just to have some snacks. We looked over and went, "Oh, I don't want any of that." <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible. I think I think we had a wafer cookie. I think that's what we settled on. <laughs> 
It's like going to someone's house for Halloween and they hand you like an apple or something. It's like, what the hell is this? Or when they get when you try to give kids pennies for Halloween. <laughs> seems like a good way to have pennies thrown at your house. Or you give me a circus peanut. No, you can keep that. I don't want yeah, a no, freaking circus thank peanut. Thank you. Because <laughs> I am a human being. I have real taste buds in this mouth. Sometimes they give you that little white bag twisted on the top. You know, that's going to be some crap candy. It's got to have those official Halloween markings on it. Hold it, lady. Wait a second. What is this? The orange marshmallow shaped like a big peanut? Do me a favor. You keep that one. Yeah, we got all the doorstops we need already. Thank you very much. We're going for name candy only this year. Yeah, I think it's Chris Pratt uh, that people tell stories that uh, I think it was on two separate occasions. I want to say it was Anna Kendrick told the story about how he invited her over to his house for a barbecue on two separate occasions. And both times she showed up and there was no food. (laughs) It was just people standing around drinking by a pool, but there was no food. But he keeps calling them barbecues. (laughs) (laughs) But then you can't stay mad at him because it's Chris Pratt. That's right. He's so lovable. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, when you say there'll be snacks and the snacks are just not, are just not sufficient. Yeah. I'll have like a party and say food provided and then get there and it's just snacks. That's also the yeah. same kind of level. Here's There's something else I provided. hate. This is, this is maybe think of this yeah. when people put an event time firmly at a, there will be no food. So you eat and then you get there and there's food. <laughs> and really good food. Like people, when they say, oh yeah, we're going to start at two o'clock. I think to myself, that is firmly after lunchtime and firmly before dinner time. They obviously want me to eat before I come. Right. They might have snacks, but I don't want to overdo it. Right, right. Silly. And then you get, get there and they just have like a full meal at 2 p.m. <laughs> How dare they? It's just awful. <laughs> These are all like Seinfeld episodes. They right really here. are. These are not problems. <laughs> <laughs> These are white people problems to the extreme. All right, White so man problems to be more. Specific. I'll start this next one off that I do not have road rage. Fortunately, okay. I get very frustrated at things people do, but I don't have road rage. I don't and you, go off. And you used to curse. be a real jackass when you drove. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better. Good. I don't get in accidents. I, I don't scare people when I drive anymore. I'm just a very calm driver. <laughs> and that, that comes from, I guess, now working for myself. I'm never in a rush to get anywhere. So if I'm getting somewhere, if I get, have to get there late, it's never a big deal. It's not like. So I'm not going to run or rush or cut people off. And if someone does the same to me, I'm not super pissed because I'm not in a rush to get anywhere. So I'm just kind of like, whatever. Bygones be bygones. But one of my biggest pet peeves is blinkers. No one uses blinkers at all anymore. I think it's just someone wrote a memo I didn't see that we just don't use them anymore. Nobody uses them. I've met. I've seen like two people use their blinker in the past month. It's ridiculous. <laughs> See, I take a lot of pride and joy in spiting people that don't use their blinkers. Yeah, I wish on, I could do it more. How on do the do way it? home today, uh-huh. uh, I was on the highway and somebody in the right lane obviously wanted to get over into my lane. Yeah. And traffic was going slow enough. I had the gap that I could have let them, but they didn't put their blinker on. They just started to like edge out. Mm-hmm. And I said, nah, just cut them the <laughs> fuck off. But the truth is, if faster. they had put their blinker on, I would have let them through out of courtesy. Absolutely. And actually, that same thing happens to me because when someone even cuts me off like real fast and almost kind of dangerously, but they had their blinker on, I'm so surprised and happy that I don't even care that they almost killed yeah. me. I'm just like, great. Use your blinker, man. What I can do whatever Good you want. Job. You can, Look at you, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> 
but I think of myself all the time that I've lost, not because I'm in a rush, but just think of all the time I've lost because like I'm waiting to turn and the person I'm waiting to turn either left or right into an intersection. And the person coming towards me is going to turn right. And I don't know this. So I'm waiting for them because I don't know which direction you think they're, they're going to go straight across. Right. Yeah. And that means I can't turn until they go straight across. So then suddenly they turn right. I could have gone. Yeah. And you're blocking traffic behind you. Right. And so yeah. if I add up all those amounts of 10 seconds here, five seconds there, 15 seconds here, I would have probably a month of my life back because you didn't use your damn blinker. That's right. <laughs> so. Use your damn blink. I don't know if they call it the same thing in the UK, blinkers. Maybe they call it your lamp or something. I don't know. Let us know, <laughs> listeners. Your turning lamp. <laughs> your turning lamp. Your turning blinks. <laughs> what do they call a flashlight? A torch. A torch. Your- <laughs> turning torch. <laughs> your turning torch. Make sure to use your turning torch. Well, that's what we're going to call from now on. <laughs> uh, right, you got anything so else? Yeah, here's another one from the pediatricians. <laughs> so people, people who blatantly don't listen. Oh, yes. And I mean blatantly, like not even they missed a detail, but like blatantly weren't paying attention. Not even Uh, trying. And the best example I can think of for this just happened at the pediatrician's appointment. So um, our doctor is talking about lactation specialists and how the hospitals that all of us are going to be at have lactation specialists. They're there in the morning. Uh, Basically, you can let them know when your kid's been feeding. They will show up during that time during what would be a normal feeding time and they'll consult with you and let you know what's going on. Right. So she just gets done with this, this whole thing about they come in the morning and this is how they work their schedule. And the woman next to us raises her hand and asks a question. So when, when did lactation uh, specialists come? <laughs> and uh, our doctor, I shit you not, looked at her and said, well, morning comes every day. <laughs> so in the morning like, but she didn't even know how to answer this idiot who had just obviously not been paying attention to the previous four minutes of conversation but it was a pregnant woman who asked that question yes i don't fault pregnant women with anything they can they can be she was absent-minded as possible she was the junior pregnant woman oh she was the in least this, far in, along in this group anna was actually the senior pregnant woman wow that's right uh but yeah but but just her answer of a morning comes every day was amazing. Was the most amazing <laughs> thing I've ever heard a doctor say. <laughs> that kind of made up for not providing proper snacks. It really did a little bit. <laughs> well, that was actually on my list is people not listening. Um, there you go. A lot of people in a certain way, too, that really bothers me. And I actually have someone in my family who does this. I won't say who, but. The person who says to you, so how you been? What have you been up to? And you say, well, uh, you know, recently I just got a new car, blah, blah, blah. And they just say, oh, that's great. You know, this other thing happened, blah, 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 blah. And they have no intention whatsoever of actually listening to what you have to say to the answer to their question whatsoever. (laughs) You know, have you had that experience? They just want you to say something to fulfill their social obligations so they can talk about themselves. Right. And it's not like someone passing by say, hey, how's it going? Where you don't expect an answer. You don't expect that person to stop you and say, well, let me tell you about my day. It's like you're sitting down in a room or at dinner and they say, well, what have you been up to lately? Or how's uh, your your cousin Olga or whatever? You know? <laughs> they just right. don't even care. <laughs> at least pretend to care and just tune off for a minute. Maybe listen if you can to some details so you can respond intelligently. Uh, but yeah, that bothers me. Uh, so here's my next one. Mm-hmm. And I deal with this at work. People who don't know how to order a burrito. (laughs) It's amazing. They literally have 
a a list of everything at the beginning. Right. The information is there for you. But every decision with these assholes is life and death. <laughs> what kind of tortilla do you want? Ooh, do you? Mm, flour. Mm. Whole ring. Oh, you guys have spinach? Ooh, I didn't know that they could do that. <laughs> and tomato. Ooh, that sounds good. Oh. I guess I better stick with flour. And they finally made that friggin' decision. And then it's, and what kind of rice do you want? Okay, brown rice. Red rice. <laughs> And what's the green in that rice? Ooh, cilantro. Ooh. And it just oh, goes like, everything. Like cilantro. Every single item is the biggest choice they've ever made. Like, they don't know, like, oh, yeah, that's fucking chicken. <laughs> that's chicken. That's steak. Now, mind you, at Apple, there are a couple. Like, we have bison. Nobody would know. Ooh, that's awesome. All right. We have bison on the line. Nobody would know that. So I would get that. If there, is that is that beef? Oh no, that's bison. But otherwise, everything is highly identifiable if you have if you have lived and know what things are. Well, here's the thing. I might have been that guy before <laughs> oh, God. because I for the longest time just really had no interest in Tex-Mex food. I've been to Taco Bell maybe three times in my whole life. I just don't, it's not my thing. I don't dislike it. I just never seek it out. Right. So whenever I happen to be at like a Chipotle or one of those burrito places, I get there and it looks all foreign to me and they're moving so fast and they're like speed round. Like they, they're just throwing things on a burrito before you even say anything. You're like, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> so for me, I'm the guy like, what, what is this? Where do, what, what do I, in what order does this happen? Like, what do I, what does that mean? What is that, that thing you just said? Yeah. And so I, I get really confused because I'm not used to that environment. But if they work there, it's like your, your, is it your work cafeteria you're kind of talking about? Yeah. Cafe they should Max. be kind of used to that by now. Right. I, it's just amazing to me. So that makes less sense. Yeah. That they should like, be used to it. Well, no, not only that, but like you chose the burrito line. That's <laughs> true. There are a million other lines. There are like literally 16 different food stations in Cafe Max. You chose the burrito. You didn't stumble into it. You're not there by mistake. You, <laughs> Where got, am I? you got in the burrito line. Be prepared to order a damn burrito. <laughs> it's that same lady wandering in the burrito line who's asking, when is morning? <laughs> <laughs> So when, do, when, do the, when do the specialists come? Well, morning happens every day. <laughs> what kind of burrito uh, flour do you have? What? what yeah, that's just amazing. <laughs> uh. Oh, well, my next one is similar to the one upper, but it's different. It's okay. know-it-alls. All right. So, you know, these type of people, too, and they're, they're bound. I know so many and I don't know where this comes from, but it's people who just for some reason, somewhere along the line, got it in their head that they know everything. And that whatever information comes to them, they must have thought of it first. Or if they have new information and that changes their mind, they'll somehow change it to where they always believe that. Or unless, unless you're a scientist, you have no new information. No, like you're not you the one discovering this. <laughs> unless you are literally discovering something in physics, you are not the first person. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. <laughs> but it could be in any conversation. Some of these, some of these people are so bad in this position that... There is nothing you can tell them that they will think is correct or more knowledgeable than what they know. You have nothing to offer them as a human being because they know everything. So there's nothing you can offer. And typically you'll find these people always none of them have any idols or people they look up to. They, they are the epitome of, of humanity. I, they are, I, they are I look up to me. Yeah, I'm the best. I'm, I'm my the, own <laughs> hero and also my own grandpa. But I just, for some reason, I think it's becoming even more 
of the stereotype, I guess, of the millennial who just thinks they know everything. You're supposed to grow out of that. Well, but yeah, so they, many, they read it on the Internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I think all teenagers were like that since, you know, time memoriam. But now it's like they're not growing out of that phase. They're staying that way. And so all these people that are, are our age and, and you know, a little bit younger still think they know everything. It's like, no, but you don't. <laughs> so it's very frustrating. Because how do you have a conversation with a person like that? Especially an intellectual conversation. You can't. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm getting venti here. I'm really getting fired up. So th- this is so this is one that that's, that I don't know. Maybe we'll catch flack for. Um, okay. So I hate people that have really weird sexual fetishes and preferences and then feel persecuted. <laughs> Especially new ones that no one's ever heard of. Like like the big group of, of guys that that like love body pillows. Right. They call them something too. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great. That's how you're choosing to live your life. But be aware that is not normal. It's not the average. It's not yeah. And, and now mind you, I'm not saying that that normal is a man and a woman. Normal is having an emotional reaction and attachment to something that can have an emotional attachment back. Right. Whether that is a cat, whether that is a man, whether that is a woman, that is normal. Well, don't go far with the cat thing because then they'll think we're talking sexually with a cat. No, no, no. I'm talking (laughs) about having an emotional connection with something. Right. Or just as far as sexual things go, two or more people involved in a consensual sexual act. Right. Uh, so that's, you know, that makes basically means people of the correct age and above doing something consensually. They both want to be doing. You can do whatever the hell you want. Right. That's my that point. is normal. You having a relationship and going on vacations with your body pillow <laughs> is not normal. No, I don't have to accept that. And, as, and, oh. and, and it's fine if that's what you want to do. But don't complain about being persecuted because what you are doing, as I said, <laughs> is not normal. And I wouldn't say like persecuted because like, as as you're saying, it's fine. They want to do that. It's not hurting anyone. But you're right that they shouldn't ex- not expect confusion and not being totally accepted off, right off the bat because you're right. It's not it's not a human interaction with another person. And the fact that you're sexualizing a body pillow like, is like, un- unhealthy. I, I, I respect I mean, furries. More than I respect some of these weird, weird weirdos, because at least it's another person. Right. They have some sort of emotional attachment. They're both there because they want to be there. Yeah. And they both just like looking like animals versus or something. this guy in Japan who just married a character from a video game. <laughs> and I, I would just mostly say it's not healthy. Like you need to you need to attach yourselves to other human beings like and, and that's for your own good, like your own growth as a human being. So I get what you're saying. But yeah. Like, so. That's great if that's what you want to do. Marry your body pillow, marry a doll <laughs> or some weird shit. But Coffee don't cup. expect people to accept it because it is not normal. Yeah, more so for me. It's like, it's not healthy, man. That ain't healthy. Two people in costumes dressed as rabbits doing it is more normal than what you're doing. And this doesn't happen too frequently, but right along with that is, I think we've talked about this in a previous episode, but people who, like, there's a new term for something. Like a long time ago, it was completely kosher to call little people midgets and dwarves. And right. now it's not PC. If at some point there was a turning point where that was just became the new norm is that you have to call them little people. And that's it's still kind of making that transition to be widely known. That's not cool to call people midgets. And so as it's transitioning, 
Your job, if you're a little person or a little person advocate, is to say, hey, I know you're used to saying that, but just so you know, you should probably say little person. Now, that's a more socially acceptable term. And that person, if they're a good person, will be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. And you say, no big deal. We're we're working through it. Same thing with uh, transgender. I watched some films from the 80s, 90s, and even the 2000s where they were using the term tranny and throwing it around like crazy. That's an incredibly offensive term now. You can't say that. And it was so mainstream that it was just normal to say that, which is bad, but we're growing as a people. So if you see a decent person saying the word tranny, your first thing shouldn't be, oh my God, this person's a horrible homophobe slash, you know, anti-LGBT person. First, check it out and say, hey, do you know that that's an offensive term? They might say no. And then you'd be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And they can tell them what to say. Say, you say, a you know, trans person or a trans woman, trans man. I don't know. That just really bothers me because people just aren't realizing that just because you just came up with a new word like um, sapiosexual or something, that doesn't mean we have to automatically know what it is. It doesn't get transported to our brain. (laughs) That's right. All right. I'm off that horse. But I think that delineation um, that you're talking about actually in some way weakens. What delineation? The culture. As far as like, well, you know. It can't just be tranny anymore. Now it's tranny, transsexual and pants, you know, and then suddenly instead of one thing, it's four things. And then each of those breaks down into a subgroup. And each right. One it's getting, of those it is getting more and more complicated. Um, and I think that in some ways that that weakens social progress in that, you know, think about back in like the 50s. Let's think really generally and really, you know, the grease sure. jocks and greasers. Yeah. <laughs> People weren't greasers because. That was really what they were. They were that because they weren't anything else. And so they were forced to fit in to this group, to this category, to identify with one or the other. Right. Um, But now with the Internet and the spread of information, you can find six other people that are exactly the same as you are online. And you create your own group or subgroup. But by taking each of these groups, each group now has their own interests. And the, the message isn't as strong. I think about Occupy, uh, Occupy Wall Street, which was, some will probably yell at me, was a tremendous failure. Didn't really go anywhere, yeah. You, ha- you got all these people that felt like they were connected, and then in the end, they couldn't, there were so many different individual interest groups uh, that, that no clear message emerged, and it dissipated and fell apart. What could have been a massive movement fell apart because no one wanted to step up and take leadership and because there was all this delineation. Well, what I think is, is a good thing that comes out of it is that um, if you're putting down one particular kind of people, it's good that they can then group together because of technology, and the internet and say, Hey, we have a voice We're we're a person, we're a group that needs to be recognized and not uh, you know shamed or shoved into another category. And then my eventual hope of this is that, we can get to a point where there are no groups and we're just all people, but that'll be a long time from now. But like even in high school and middle school, when you and I are going to school, we weren't your typical pocket protector nerds, nor were we jocks, nor were we really anything else. We were just kind of, I wore like a black t-shirt and jeans every day. You wore like a Hawaiian shirt and jeans shorts every day. It's That's like, pretty much what I still wear. Go on. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I'm wearing black, I'm wearing a black t-shirt and jeans right now. But I'm I mean, wearing a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt and khaki shorts right exactly. now. Exactly. But I mean, <laughs> what category did that actually fit into? Not nothing really. We were kind of little bits of everything. And I mean, we were theater kids. We're theater kids, but that, you know, it's not your typical group of, you know, they, they have the jocks and the nerds and that's, that's true. No, they don't talk about what's in between, but. So I'm hoping we get to a point where we're not defined by those groups. And you're right, because when they create a group, 
people have to be kind of flock to it to be mold themselves into that group to become it because they don't know what else to do. They're like, I have to pick something. I have to pick a side. Or just like with the gay and straight, like even they had a long time there, gay people were um, often very derogatory towards bisexual people because they thought they just weren't picking a side, you know, and it's like, so now they're kind of realizing we don't need to pick a side. We're all different. We're all, you know, just individual human beings and furries and pillow lovers and that kind of thing. <laughs> See, I, I hate that mentality, though. Which mentality? Um, that whole mentality of we can all be different in that to people that to them, there is no difference. And I'm thinking about the conservative right here. Mm-hmm. All they see is a bunch of weird queers. <laughs> and that's a bad thing. So right, right, right. But to so you have 50 percent of the country that literally doesn't care either way. And the other 50 percent that is so concerned with with finding our differences that they lose concentration on our similarities and then we lose focus and we lose strength. I guess what you're saying. So you're saying instead of focusing on how we're different, maybe focus on how we're the same. Right. right. So, you know, if the, you know, there's talk about the Democratic Party splitting right after this whole Bernie Sanders thing. Would our party being split into three really be stronger and better if <laughs> no. the Republican Party stays as one giant thing and everyone's going to vote for that one person? It's just like when you split the vote and there's a big third party candidate that takes away votes from one party or the other and then that party right. loses. Right. And you're not. That's the thing with a third party candidate. Unless they really have a shot, which really hasn't happened in recent history, mm-hmm. you're not voting for them to win. You're voting for the other guy to lose. You're, you're taking the other guy to win. <laughs> votes. You're taking votes away from somebody that could win. You are voting for them to lose. People that write in Bernie Sanders for this election aren't voting for Bernie. They are voting for Hillary to lose. Right, and that's that's why I've been telling something great I saw online was start at the local levels with uh, third party candidates that actually has a shot of working where you can start at the bottom and then work your way up to the top. So if you want the green party to become gigantic in maybe 10 years, because it'll take it much more than that, probably right. Start off with your local representatives, vote green on the local level, because there's no way in hell they're going to win the, the national election in the next 10, 20 years. No, it's just not possible. And it's so great they're throwing that- away their vote. It's great that you're an altruist. It's great that you're really believing in the democratic process, but you're voting for someone else to lose. At right. That and, point. But, and they you're would vote. yell at us and say, well, that's if I'm a true Democrat, I should vote for my, you know, my conscience. You know, that's that's our government's all about. You're just if you're saying I should vote for whatever party might have a chance to win. That's not being true to myself. And I'm like, well, you can be true to yourself or you can live under a Trump presidency. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. You are voting for Hillary to lose. You are voting for Trump to win. I mean, some people are out. Some people actually are doing that on purpose so because they don't why don't like Hillary and they want her to lose, but they also hate Trump. So please doing, stop. Yeah, God, Trump, please, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. please stop it. Do you realize what's going to happen? Nope. They don't even. He'll, he'll be uh, mind you. He'll be impeached within two years. But see, the thing is, they don't think about which is what the. DNC was trying to push out real hardcore, which by, but I actually agree with it is that don't think about who you're voting for president right now. Think about what that president is going to elect to the Supreme Court. And yeah, because that's the, what lasts on for 20, 40 years. And if you don't know, our UK listeners, our Supreme Court members 
once they're appointed by our president, are there for the rest of their life until they pass over and die. Until they pass out or they or they leave or they can willingly. Yeah, they retire. So we have we're going to probably have one to two spots open for this next president. And so if they they can appoint someone who they know has very conservative values or very liberal values. And so they could start overturning laws like overturn gay marriage is something that Trump would want to do overturn you know, abortion laws, all those kind of things. And they could just add things that are really conservative and the liberals on the court would have no power anymore. So when they're like, well, I don't care if Trump gets elected, he'll just be there for four years. We'll, we'll make sure to get him out next time. It's like, well, in those four years, he's going to appoint someone who will be there for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's going to be one of his kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When he gets back from his hunting trip. Uh, Uh, Anyways. But but yeah, it's cut that shit out. Even Bernie, pulled pulled out once he knew he was hurting the party right and they're still not following him like they're not they're not listening to him to endorse Hillary. but yeah and it's great you you guys had a good run bernie did better than anyone could have ever projected absolutely anyone especially going up against someone like hillary clinton holy crap and he made her change some of her stances and pushed her more and that's awesome you guys did your job he can't win and I'm sorry about that. He can't win. You guys have to give up the ghost and vote for someone who's not Trump that has a chance of winning. And, and that won't person ruin is Hillary, everything we stand for. And that person is Hillary Clinton. Uh, not to mention that she's the most she is the, the most qualified person to run for president, maybe in history. In a very long time. As far as her political career, uh, both with internal and external affairs, her understanding of politics, her knowing of the players, whether that be good or bad. Um, we've never seen anyone this qualified and to be president. The, the biggest thing they have against her, um, even my very, you know, big, my very Bernie centric friends is saying that she's, well, she's very shady and she's um, almost been caught in lies several times. And she might've lied about a lot of things. Keywords is might've allegedly maybe did. Uh, she might've been involved in these scandals. Whereas Trump actually lies every single day. And it's not speculation or allegedly or it's under investigation. He does in your face every single day. So he is objectively worse than she is because she just might have lied about these things where he lies every day <laughs> and he's not yeah. apologizing for it. So that makes no sense. To me. Um, yeah. So please stop. You get it. We know you're upset. I'm upset, too. I was a big Bernie guy. Um, but please, it's time. You got to give it up. It is time. So along with the Trump thing, I'll okay. go. My, I'll speed through my last two because we're going a little long here. How the um, hell with it? <laughs> is uh, alpha males the kind of people that that's a big pet peeve of mine? Hey, what's it, wrong with me? What? So, what? You got a problem? Hold on, let me straighten my beta male glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's there's hope, luckily I don't have no too many of these because I stay around mostly nerdy people and there's not too many alpha male douchebags in my groups. But they occasionally pop up and it's just, you know, the guy who has to be tough all the time. And he usually is a one upper as well, but he doesn't always have to be. That's, you know, three different categories, but they're there. You know, they just get in your face. Everything they do is cool and tough and they stick their chest out. And I'm sure they have that kind of equivalent around the world. So it's it's very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, and the last one I have my list is. um it's a smaller pet peeve, but it's still I'm OCD and clean as listeners might know. Stephen definitely knows. Um, yeah. But people who get too close and touch too much. <laughs> They're called Italians. <laughs> Italians. <laughs> but like, I mean, I don't mind. I like 
I like hugs. I like shaking hands. I mean, I don't mind, you know, I'll go wash my hands later. That's fine. <laughs> but people who like are constantly like rubbing up on you or if they're talking to you, they're getting real close or I mean, it's just why get out of my space, my That's bubble. Right. Unless you're paying them to do so, it's inappropriate. <laughs> or if you're in a relationship, sure, get in That's my bubble. True. That's where I want you. Um, now I get that. When I worked uh, retail in New York, uh, especially Fifth Avenue, holy crap! Uh, I, I, Italians and French people. I'm not sure why. They're just it's probably just a different social understanding. But there is no private. There's like no boundary space. Uh, to the point where the, the first tactic I was taught was plant and rock. So you stand with your arms crossed. You put your left foot out just sort of in front of you, probably about a foot uh, towards the person. And then you rock backward, but you leave your foot planted. You just lean back on, on the other leg and you leave your left leg out front. So it creates a barrier. Yeah, the plant and rock. That's like one of the first things I was taught by a senior salesperson at Fifth Avenue. Just to get a little bit of space. Uh, yeah, I totally understand that. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, people that hold the door too long. So describe the situation. I'll be like fi- 50 feet away okay. from the door. A good 10 to 12 second walk. And someone goes through and they see me and they kind of chuckle and they hold the door open. And I'm still 10 seconds away. <laughs> so not only do I have to make eye contact with this person. The entire time I am now hurrying to the door because I feel like an asshole. But then I have to say thank you to them for making me feel like an asshole. Or making you have to run or jog to the door. I don't run. I maybe pick up the pace a little bit, but I know there's no running. But I just hate that I then have to get there and thank them. Yeah. Thanks for the inconvenience. (laughs) You didn't need to do that. Really. (laughs) Oh, God. That is a that does a. That's bothered um, me. Yeah. People hold the door too damn long. <laughs> so I actually had. All right. So I think we've bitched enough. Right. Oh, we have so, more. Though just the last little part of this is uh, on the converse side. Very short mention of what good people I see as. So people who act normally that don't have any of these traits. You can always see them in romantic comedies. There's always a scene. I think I've said this before. A scene where all the friends of the lead character, either the male or the female, are sitting at a table eating lunch or doing brunch or whatever, and they're all talking to each other and having a conversation. The conversations that go in those situations are fluid and normal. They treat each other with respect. They laugh at each other's jokes. They're having a friendly time. They say, excuse me, when something bad happens. It's just, if you look at any romantic comedy, you look at that scene, because it's in every single one of them. Where are those people? Where are these fantasy people that don't actually exist, that just act normally, have regular conversations? <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> so, yeah, that's they my little thing. At they the don't end. drink too much and then scream at each other in a Bennigan's. <laughs> I mean, that's not personal experience. <laughs> that sounds really specific. <laughs> You're right. It's definitely not every Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... So, yeah, that's the end of People Pet Peeves Volume 1. People Pet Peeves. Let's stop bitching. Yep. And I think it's time for some trailer reviews. Let's do it. Here at Play on Nerds, we have developed an interesting rating system to bring to you our ideas on the trailers we're about to review. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. Kill it with fire. 
<laughs> and our next step is Drunk Watch, which means that, yeah, I'd watch this movie. It'd be entertaining if I was under the influence of some kind of substance of some kind. But if I was sober, probably not going to check this thing out. No, nope, not going to see it. Next, we've got We'll See, which is maybe we just don't know enough about this movie to tell what the hell it's going to be. Could be good. Could be bad. Not sure. Eh. And our next category would be Get the Couch Ready, which means I'm definitely going to check this movie out at home. Wouldn't necessarily pay the big bucks of see it in theaters, but I'm definitely going to watch it at home. So get that couch ready. After that, we have Take a Look, where we are recommending for you, our viewers and listeners, to check out this movie and check out the trailer and tell us what you think about it. We, we wanted to see what you guys think. It looks pretty good, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Let us know. And for our final and best category, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut up and take my money. This looks so awesome. We're going to see it. That's where we cannot wait to give Hollywood bigwigs all of the money that we have earned at work to go see a film for $47. We're so excited. We just have to go see it. We have, we don't have a choice. And that is our A Play on Nerds official copyrighted trademark system for rating our movie trailers. So which one you want to talk about first here, Steve? So I'm going to look talk about the one which I think looks the most disappointing. <laughs> Which between these two films is a real toss up. <laughs> I'm going to go with Resident Evil, the final chapter. Oh. And really, I'm hoping that the final chapter is more of a promise than anything else. Because <laughs> I don't think I can take any more of these damn films. Oh. <laughs> we played a long game, you and I. Now it's over. He has an army of undead with him. What are we gonna do? We're gonna kill every last one of them. I should have killed you in Washington. Yeah, make a mistake. My name is Alice, and this is my story. The end of my story. This is five or six at this point. I don't even know. The first one wasn't even that good. I don't know how they got so much mileage out of this franchise. I don't get it. It must be that it does really well abroad. Maybe that's possible. Because that seems to be makes a lot of sequels happen. But I remember in college, one of my roommates or someone who lived in the hall with me named Davis convinced us that Resident Evil like Apocalypse, maybe the third one, I think was going to be the biggest movie of the year. What? And we had to go see it. And he got us tickets to a midnight showing at the Cinerama in Seattle, which is like the biggest, nicest theater in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So there's like 10 of us. We all go down for a midnight show and we get there and we are the only people at the midnight <laughs> opening. <laughs> That's hilarious. Shitty, and as soon as I saw that, I went, Davis, you have lied to us and misled us. <laughs> And sure enough, he had. That movie was terrible. (laughs) Uh, And I think this one is going to follow suit. Uh, It looks like it's it's the main character, Alice's big return to Raccoon City, where it all started. And she has to go back to the hive, also where it all started. And somehow she is the key to, to humanity's survival. Somehow Jorah Mormont's back, even though he was killed. In in one of the other films, I'm pretty sure. I didn't remember uh, that. I don't know what's happening, and I don't think the audience will know what's happening either. <laughs> so, I would take a totally different approach here. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> I knew you would because you love Mila Jovovich. It's true. I've loved her since the first time since I forever. laid eyes on her. I know. In Fifth Element. And I, I, I shouldn't have expected anything less from you. Here. I think she's like the female Jason Statham. She loves doing these like almost B movie like action movies, and she's like an action movie superstar now, which is fantastic. But oh, for I B- thought you meant that she used to be relevant, but now she won't let it go. <laughs> maybe partly that. Yes, but I think I I went I recently maybe at least like last year watched all of these movies in a row, like uh, over two days because I was just like bored. And the thing is, they're not very good, but they're fun. Sometimes they're silly, and they are just. Uh, a little action ride they're they're fun to watch and uh, i think this one from the trailer looks like it's taking itself even less seriously and kind of just owning the fact that they're silly action movies that don't make a lot of sense and I, i'm gonna have fun watching this it's gonna be good and uh i'm gonna put get, get the couch ready for me uh this one gets a solid if there was something beyond burn it which we <laughs> haven't come to yet no i would give it that thing jeez uh, but since we have nothing stronger than burn it, I'm going to give it a burn it. I'm going to have my couch so ready for Mila. I'll be there waiting for her. I know you'll be waiting for Mila. I know. <laughs> All right. So what's what's the other movie we're reviewing? The next one is Blair Witch. Not the Blair Witch Project, but Just Blair Witch. Blair Witch. It's the new... Um, Actually, pretty much looks like a sequel to the the original. There was a sequel to Blair Witch. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, the the Blair Witch, the Book of Shadows, or something stupid like that. What is that? The guy who uploaded this video said it was from a tape he found in the Black Hills woods. I think that might be my sister. You really think your sister could still be out there after all these years? If there is any chance that I could find out what happened to her, I need to try. Legend said there's been a curse on these woods. Do you believe in the stories about the Blair Witch? Oh my god. This looks familiar. We've been walking in a circle. No way. They're everywhere. Who could have done this? You did this! Oh my god! This way, come on! There's something out there. We found it! That's not your sister! That can't be her! Come on! Get in the corner! Don't look! I'm so sorry. But this is kind of a direct sequel to the first one. Uh, it looks like the main character is a um, generic white dude who's searching for his sister, who is the lead from the first one. Who right. She went on to do um, Steak and Shake commercials. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I couldn't tell what was going on for the first half of this trailer because it's just like lots of quick cuts and or most of the trailer anyways. Quick cuts and you don't ever see anything. The jump scares are a shot to another tree so i'm like what 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 is they don't i don't see anything what's going on yeah uh yeah so what would you think of this malarkey is the only word i can think of <laughs> uh, isn't that joe biden's word of choice i guess this it, it just it, it looks real bad 
Yeah. Like there's the, the one thing that was sort of brilliant about the first one is that it wasn't really about the witch. Right. It was about people in the wilderness turning on each other. There was a little bit of scare, you know, like the, the piles of rocks and like the weird scarecrow kind of things. It that was more up. creepy than anything. Not like and a the end scare. was very nonchalant and not really committal. It let you it let you work yourself up, which was right. kind of brilliant. Um, this one looks like it doesn't have any of that tact. This is all about the witch and about binary. It's about the witch. It's about them going out and the witch has powers. At one point, one of them picks up a voodoo doll and breaks it in half. And one of the other characters breaks in half and everyone starts screaming. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That was it was so fast. I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah. And then they make it to the house and then there's people in the corner and then people get dragged. It just it looks like it's taking it's it took Blair Witch and Hollywooded the shit out of it. But look at all the reviews they flash on the screen. Scariest film ever. Best horror I film f- in decades. <laughs> I feel I feel like they like they find people that have been living in caves <laughs> and they say, hey, do you want to see a movie? And then they say, yeah, I'll come see a movie. And they put them in there and they say, what did you think? It's the best movie I've ever seen. Can I have my role of lifesavers now? Best movie ever by Joe Bob the Drifter. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter who said it. Doesn't matter. Best movie ever. Um, this one is also getting a solid burn it. Though I don't feel as strongly against this one as I do about Resident Evil. That's good uh, to final know. Chapter. So for me, I hate to say it, but because the original Blair Witch actually did mean a lot to me, I thought it was I loved it at the time. Uh, I hate that movie. I I mean, right now I can't really watch it because it's just I you know there's too much. It's been parodied so much. But at that time when it came out, I thought it was really creepy and really fun and interesting, and it was different. There wasn't really found footage films back then. A lot of people thought it was real for a long time. And it was one, it was an indie film that was very successful, which was even more rare back then right. before the viral age. And the thing was, like, it was made by UCF students. UCF is University of Central Florida, which is right next to where Stephen and I grew up. And yep. it made it was part of the reason why I started going to film school, because I was inspired by the case that, hey, people who live right next to me made this huge film for practically nothing. That's pretty cool. So because of nostalgia, this is a drunk watch for me. If there's some time okay. where I'm just, you know, goofing off late at night, and this is on Netflix. I'll have a beer and, and watch it. OK, I get that. I like horror movies in general, too. So you know. uh, I change it to double burn it. <laughs> Whereas Resident Evil is not even a horror movie, so it doesn't have that appeal either. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So two mediocre reviews. Yeah. Hopefully I'll have something better for you next week. For two probably mediocre films. And we do have a thank you this week from Mike Ooh. or at Jarek on Twitter. He said in regards to our contributor, Jerry Herrera's review of the final episode of Preacher, he said, delighted I knew nothing about the story. Sometimes knowing source material helps, but Preacher works if you go in cold. And that's in reference to not having read the graphic novel of Preacher, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't either. And that show is fantastic. So if you haven't seen it, okay. you should watch it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's... So like some of the feel of the walking dead, but yet much goofier and just really fun and okay. crazy, funny violence, which is a weird thing to say, but Who, who's the antagonist, the antagonist. Yes. Um, God, I'm guessing the protagonist is the preacher. Uh, yeah. I think God is kind of the antagonist ish. 
okay. and just people in general are awful in that show. So he's like the only beacon of hope and he's a former uh, thief criminal. So it's kind of like he's like the anti-hero. Okay. I got all right. Antihero is real hot right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's a really funny show, and it's really, and the actor who plays um, Tony Stark's dad in flashbacks. I can't remember his yeah. name now. Plays him. I loved him in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> was he in that? He was. Well, he well, played a vampire. Oh, so he wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Okay. No, I don't think he's that was played enough. by a different disappointing actor. <laughs> I'm sure it went lots of places. By the way, though, read Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. You will learn more about actual Abraham Lincoln than you have ever known in your life. <laughs> like he had a high whiny voice. Yes, that's right. That's right. I uh, know, but they talk about basically they, they mentioned all of his failures. He was pretty much a political failure for a good long time. And then had that one thing on his record of that. Apparently he begrudgingly did. Of freeing the slaves, like apparently he had to be kind of pushed into that. And it was it was it wasn't the point. It was a not say a compromise, but it was a power play. Right. So he's not like the altruistic, you know, wonder president everyone talks about. Although Mind you, he did free the slaves. That was right. It. I mean, he, that, did, he did that. No matter what wasn't what happened because of that, he he did do that. So that's that great. wasn't. The, yeah, that wasn't the agenda. Right. It was to take the steam out of the South, who was relying very heavily on slave labor for their war effort. And so to tell all of those, the, the, the you know, uh, the African, I guess, African-Americans. Yeah. At that point. Uh, or Caribbean Americans, you know, wherever, wherever we stole them from, because we're assholes, um, <laughs> you know, hey, you're all free in the United States. You're all free. I don't know what it's like there in the Confederacy, but in the United States, you're free. So if you get up here, <laughs> the north, you're good. Right, right. You know, that it was it was a power play at the time. That wasn't but it wasn't he didn't go to war to free the slaves. And that brings us to Harriet Tubman, who did the Underground Railroad, who's going to be in our twenty dollar bill. Coming oh, soon. that's killer. I'd heard about that. I just wasn't sure if it was official. Yep. It's coming up in like two more years, I think. Well, that's good. First woman in our currency. I know we're really behind hey, the rest hey. of the world. <laughs> Sacagawea. Oh, that's yeah. right. We got the Sacagawea. On the dollar. It might be probably on the on a bill. Right. The first woman on a that's bill. That's accurate. But yeah. I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, I think that's an, I think that's an episode. Yeah. That's a wrap. That's a good as one. As they would say in the Hollywoods. And we don't know what we're bringing you next time, but I'm sure it'll be amazing. It's okay. We didn't know what we were bringing you this time. <laughs> it worked out. But thanks for joining us. As always, we'll keep talking if you'll keep listening. We've been your co-hosts, Jarman and Steve. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aplayonnerds. Or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at aplayonnerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash aplayonnerds. Fun videos and stuff to check out, youtube.com slash playonnerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts and that way we know if we stink exactly let us know if you hate us or you love us that's always great check us out at our website www.aplayonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at aplayonnerds.com and then check us out on i guess snapchat maybe <laughs> for dick or, or tumblr <laughs> tumblrs periscopes uh, you could also throw a rock at us with a message on it carrier pigeons we accept cassette tapes <laughs> i love cassette tapes we just want to hear from you yes please send us anything you like at any social media outlets however you do it check us out <laughs>
and how. All right, so I guess now we're jumping to our feature, People Pet Peeves. People Pet Peeves. I wish we had a jingle for that. People Pet Peeves. People Pet Peeves. And can you hold on one second? If we're gonna, I have to run to the bathroom again. I've had a lot of liquid. I told you you had to go potty again. <laughs> I'll be right back. Is he pregnant too? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Anna, I'm pregnant. <laughs> yes, he said yes, he's pregnant. <laughs> With a food baby. All right, go deliver that food, baby.